0: about being nervous <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then I thought this is my family let's say I get up here and fall flat on my face it's okay isn't it y'all are gonna love me anyway <laughs> that's right so here goes uh, my talk uh the end of March at the encounter was on unforgiveness so I'd like to just share that with you and uh, and then I'd like to end with what I learned through it personally and how it ministered to me. Um, I just think we all need to understand that unforgiveness is not to be taken lightly. You know, um, I think it's the greatest tool the enemy has to separate us from either God or the body of Christ. It's a separating tool that the enemy has for us um, You know, in uh, Isaiah 59, it says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot save; neither his ears so dull that he cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation. You know, when God tells us to forgive and we don't forgive, we have some sin that separates us. So we uh, find separation there. But we also, when we know we haven't done what he's asked us to do, we condemn ourselves, so we hesitate to go boldly to the throne of God so that we separate ourselves also. It's a scary place to be, to be separated from the Lord. And I think unforgiveness really is one of the greatest tools the enemy has to separate us. Um, In Scripture, Matthew 6 Fourteen, fifteen 15 says, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. If you don't forgive, your heavenly father won't forgive you. And Mark 11 says the same thing. You know, <clears throat> but I think in scripture, the parable that most clearly explains it is in Matthew 18. And I just want to read that. And then I felt like as I read through it and studied through it, the Lord gave me a few comments to make on particular parts of it. So let's just uh, read its Matthew 18:21. Then Peter came and said to him, "Lord, how often should my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to 7 times?" The Lord said, "I do not say to you up to 7 times, but up to 70 times 7." Seven. For this reason the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a certain king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. And when he had begun to settle them, there was brought to him one who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, my footnote says that is 10 million in silver with even more buying power. That's, you know, silver these days is kind of a high commodity right now. 10 million in silver. And that's what the king came to his servant, and that's how much that servant owed him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his servant commanded him to be sold, along with his wife and children and all that he had and repayment to be made. The slave, therefore falling down, prostrated himself before him and said, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. And you know, this thought came to me as I read that, those two verses. You know, the king could have been just thrilled that he was willing to repay you know, that, that the servant was saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'll pay you back. The king very nicely could have said, okay, pay me back. And it still would have been a nice thing for him to do. He could have said, okay, repay me. Here's your payment plan. I won't sell you, but I will take, uh, it will take a lifetime for you to repay me. But I'll have an expectation of you to have a check in the mail every month from now on. And, you know, that would have still been a nice thing for the king to do. He didn't throw him in prison. He didn't sell his wife and children and and repay it that way. So it would have been nice for him to just say, okay, repay me. And here's my expectation of you. But he he said, oh, no, he is released from the debt. There's no expectation of any kind of performance. That's what the king said. He offered him that instead of said, okay, just repay me. <clears throat> all right, then it says um, the Lord of the slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. But that slave then went out and found a fellow slave who owed him a 100 denarii. Now, my footnote says 100 denarii is one day's wage. That's all it was. You could work for one day and repay that debt. Um, and he seized him and began to choke him, saying, pay back what you owe me. So his fellow slave fell down and began to entreat him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you what I owe you. Now, and this is the thought I had when I read that. We put people in prison too quickly. The slave, may, we don't know, the slave may have had good intentions to repay him the next day. It just took one day. But the but instead, the one that was grabbing him, demanding repayment, was basing his expectation on the fact that he had not paid him so far. He didn't pay him yesterday, so what makes him think he'll pay me tomorrow? We put people in prison too quickly. The slave could have been intending to pay him the next day. We anticipate people's actions based upon their past performance. We don't let them change. We consider them guilty before they even act because we don't truly forgive them for yesterday's actions. So we anticipate tomorrow's actions to be the same. Well, he, he didn't um, forgive. So, he, so when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord. He was unwilling, however, and threw him into prison. But then um, the fellow slaves saw what had happened. You know, my next thought was, people are watching. You know, those fellow slaves were standing around watching. So unforgiveness affects more than just you and the person that you uh, haven't forgiven. Uh, You are being watched. And your witness is being challenged whenever there's not forgiveness coming from your heart. And then then summoning his Lord, said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you entreated me. Should you not also have mercy on your fellow slave, even as I had mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to torturers, until he could repay all that was owed him. So shall my heavenly Father also do to you, if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. And, you know, I, I thought it was interesting he said, From your heart. There's a difference between heart and head forgiveness. It's not just words. Now, that is a very clear message from our words um, telling us we've got to forgive. But you know, in case you don't know or identify yourself in this story, let me help you. You are the fella that owes $10 million. That's you. <clears throat> because Jesus' blood forgave us every debt we ever owed. It, for, he forgave us everything. And how often do we go to our brothers, sisters, friends, family, and uh, refuse to give them some small detail that could have been paid in one day's wage. You know, our instruction is clear. We've got to forgive. And the penalty is pretty clear, too. Those torturers don't sound like a fun place to be, does it? <clears throat> There's another reason that I saw in the Bible that we need to forgive, and that's to be Christ-like. We are commanded in uh, Matthew five forty-eight to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. We're also commanded in um, 1 John 4, 7. It says, so as he is, so are we in this world. We are to live our lives to be Christ-like. So, if we know that, what was that like? What was Christ's forgiveness like? I thought the best passage I could find on that was Psalms 103. It says, he forgives all of our iniquities or sins. It, it doesn't pick and choose all of them. And then in verse 8 through 12, it says, this is his heart unforgiveness. This is his character. This is how God forgives. The Lord is compassionate. And gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, but rewarded us according, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, he has removed our transgressions from us. That's the kind of character that he, Christ exhibited. And we, to be Christ-like, needs to exhibit that kind of character. And you know, when we're born again believers, we become a new creation. Holy Spirit comes to live within us. We have that ability. You know, Galatians 2.20 says, If we can reckon that old man dead and we live to that new man because that is Christ in us, then we have his abilities to show forth the very character that he showed forth in the area of forgiveness and in every area. You know, I'm going to read uh, Luke 6, 27 through 37, just real quickly, because that is uh, another version of the Sermon on the Mount. It's the, Luke's take on it. But as I read it, I want you to think about it. Can I? Do this if I have unforgiveness in my heart? Uh, Just ask that question as we read. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those that hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other also. Whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. And just as we want people to treat you, treat them in the same way. And if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those that do good to you, what credit is that? Even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. But I say to you, love your enemies Do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be the sons of the Most High. For he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Be merciful, just as your father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. And then the last part says, forgive, and you shall be forgiven. Now, did you answer the question? If you have unforgiveness in your heart, can you do those things? And in my Bible, that's in red print. That's something we need to pay attention to. I think the only way you can possibly do these things is if you're forgiven, and let me add, healed. To be able to be Christ-like, forgive and be healed. Uh, I have just a short little story Two paragraphs, in fact. It's that short. <clears throat> but I want I want to, you to hear it. There was a young private in our company who was converted in Malta before our regiment came to Egypt. I was ashamed to admit it, but I, now this is the officer in charge. This is a true story. I, along with other men, gave this fellow an awful time. This young man had just been saved. Okay? The devil seemed to control me as an officer, and I made it miserable for that young man's life, almost unbearable. Well, one terrible wet night, this private came in from sentry duty. He was very tired and very wet, yet before getting into bed, he knelt down to pray. I took my boots, which are heavy with mud, and let the private have it on one side of the cheek and then on the other. He made no response but continued praying. The next morning, I found my boots beautifully polished sitting by the side of my bed. That was his only reply. His gesture so broke my heart that I was saved that very day. It was the first time I had ever seen a man demonstrating his faith like a true soldier of our Father in Heaven. Such love really conquered my hard heart. You know that young man had to forgive to be able to do that but look what happened the officer became a christian that very day we are called to be different we are called to show the world christ in such a way that they hunger so that they can say i want what they've got they're different i don't i want what they've got and that's our challenge is to live in such a way just like i read in luke live in such a way that people look to us and say, I want what they've got. Well, we cannot do that unless we stay forgiving people, keep our spirit and soul clean of unforgiveness, be obedient, be healed of the offenses that it took that brought about unforgiveness. We've got to be healed. And I bring up that word healed because you know, as I've thought about this, I don't know whether you forgive and then get healed or you get healed so you can forgive. But I tell you, they come hand in hand because I know that there's been times it's been hard to forgive. And it, you may be, have, to, have to be healed, healed of those emotional traumas and wounds. And I tell you, we're, we're learning and I learned long ago. God paid the price. Jesus paid the price for us in the garden so that we don't now have to bear those kind of emotional offenses and hurts. And, you know, if we don't get healed of those, how can we forgive? Sometimes it takes healing before we can get to a point of forgiveness. And I just, I just want to share just a little bit about that because this is very dear to my heart. Back 40 years ago, the Lord showed me about healing of uh, my heart. And uh, he first started showing me this in Hebrews twelve thirteen. It says, Make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but rather let it be healed. Lame and hurt can be used synonymously. And it says, Do not turn the things that are hurt out of the way, but rather let them be healed. And you know, he showed me uh, a path, a straight and narrow path. A narrow path. It's the path we're to be walking. But all along the roadside are hurts, offenses, traumas, divorce, deaths, miserable, terrible emotional traumas lining the roadside. They don't keep us from walking it, but they are right next to us as we walk, if we let them stay there. And as we attempt to walk that path, We come up next to one of those that hurt us in the past and we veer to the right and we veer to the left. We react to those things that have been in our past before. And you know, he showed me, this was just as close to a vision as I've ever had was this path. We cannot walk the way he wants us to walk if we continue to keep the things along the roadside. That junk has got to go so that we can walk straight instead of veering off the path every step we take. So he provides a way for us to do that. It says he gives us a new heart. You know, those things are harbored in our soul and in our heart. We are made spirit, soul, and body. The exchanges were purchased for us in the garden, the whipping post, and the cross. I know y'all have heard that so many times from our pulpit. I tell you, that garden Ari. noticed it was first <laughs> he paid the price in the garden first I think our souls what gets us all snared at, in trouble here but he paid for that and he does not want us to carry it he showed me very clearly because I said how do I do that how do you get healed so many people don't know how so what do they do they push it down and push it down they begin to say I'll get over it just give me time time will heal I don't know what to do. Let me just forget, get my mind off of it. Well, that is nothing but turning it out of the way, and we just push it down and down and down. But the Lord says, rather, let it be healed. And what happens is we need to get it up and out, not push down and in. So I believe he showed me it is the same way you get forgiveness of sin. I raised good little Baptist. I knew how to do that. You know, First John 1, 9 says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just. Again. Well, all I had to do was say, Father, forgive me of that sin. And he did. He removed it as, east as, as far as the east is from the west. I never gave it another thought. That's how he showed me to get healed. You bring it to the Lord and you say, Father, heal me of that one. Heal me of that one. And he removes it as far as the east is from the west. We just have to get it out. And we have to give it to him. And we don't need to cram it down anymore. And when we get healed, then we say, a new heart. We've got a new heart to live in. So no more of this. But when it comes to our mind or when it comes up, and you know, when we're walking this road, we're walking this path, it's going to come up. There will be things that will bring those things back to our mind. And at that point, you say, Father, heal me. And then let go of it. Because he takes it just like he takes your sins. And you're healed in your soul. He says, he showed me, um, we've got to stay as clean in our soul as we do in our spirit. Otherwise, how can we walk the walk without veering to the right or veering to the left? Now, let me see where I am in my notes. <laughs> um, We're struggling with forgiveness. We may need to be healed in our soul from the offense that caused the unforgiveness, and then exchange our heart, old heart for new heart, and receive promise what's promised to, uh, to us in Ezekiel, that Dorman's already quoted, "Before, we need to do all that, sometimes before we can heal, uh, forgive." <clears throat> had a friend that told me she I could use her story. She was offended by a man in church and uh, it harbored so long in her heart that it became hate or it was bordering on hate. And then she heard a sermon and realized that there were hidden parts of her heart that uh, were not open to the Lord. So she asked for ministry. We prayed with her and she forgave, and she we prayed healing over the incident. And uh, the, by that time, the man had moved away, so he didn't really. She didn't know what had happened in her heart. She just knew she was obedient. And uh, a few years later, the man moved back to town, and amazingly enough, all she felt was love. So there's something that happens miraculously in our heart when we're obedient and we get healed. It's not just something I'm telling you. It's something that really does happen. It's like when our sins are forgiven, they leave. When our hurts are healed, they're gone. you don't have to react anymore. And, you know, that relationship came even, was even better than before. And, you know, something I when I was thinking about this story... We need to pray about how we're to relate to the people after we forgive them. And then we need to obey. Sometimes, it may be a different kind of relationship, because I know trust sometimes takes a while to build back. But sometimes it could even be better than what we had before when we walk through a, an incident of unforgiveness. But the key is to be to forgive be healed, and then be obedient to what God says concerning, relating to the people you're having to forgive. You know, unforgiveness can be huge or it can be little. But it all needs to be forgiven. Whether it's little or big, it still is a hindrance. And God says to forgive. We don't have a way out of that one. We've got to forgive. Um, sometimes it's maybe that you forget Need to forgive yourself, or you need to forgive God. Those are biggies, but that's sometimes that's the way it happens. Um, lots of forgiveness happens within family units. You know, people that love you the most are the ones that hurt you the most. We need to deal with the offenses and not let them build up. Don't let them build up. A prolonged offense becomes bitterness. We all know that the medical profession says bitterness causes a lot of physical illnesses. You know, I've just quoted Hebrews twelve thirteen, but I'm going to read uh, the next two verses after that. It says, there, um, Make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but rather let it be healed. Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one can see the Lord. See to that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and thereby many be defiled. You know what struck me in that passage is in between the hurts in verse 12 and the bitterness in verse 15 comes verse 14 that says, Have peace with all men. How can you do that except to forgive? So peace comes right in there, fits right in there between hurts, being healed, and bitterness. I have a couple of personal examples. Um, I had a birthday not too long ago. I had a son that forgot my birthday. Now, I'm telling you, just these little ones, okay? Don't don't think they've got to be monsters. Just the little ones, okay? He forgot my birthday. And I did fine until I went to bed and closed my eyes and tried to go to sleep. And then I went, so I had to ask him to, I mean, I asked the Lord to forgive me. And I asked him to forgive me and get healed. And he called me the next day at noon. I could have had him jump through hoops for me. (laughs) He he was very sorry that he had forgotten my birthday. Another one. Um, A few months ago, I walked into my daughter's room and she had thrown some magazines away. Well, I just assumed everybody valued those magazines like I did. I had great expectations on the value of those magazines. You know, I had even bought a nice little magazine rack for it that matched the room. You know, these were precious to me. We had subscribed to Zoo Books and Ranger Rick's for 10 years at least. Oh, my goodness, they were precious. These magazines, apes. The whole magazine was on apes. Um, Chimpanzees or um, snakes. It was something that were treasures to me because I have grandchildren coming up. (laughs) I did not handle it well because I looked down and the magazine rack was empty. I said, where's the magazines, Joanna? And Joanna can testify, I hit the ceiling. I started crying, I was mad, I was furious um, about these magazines. because so she said, well, Dad came in and told me to clean my room, and I just thought I would... i tell you, if, I, if those magazines had still been in the dumpster, I would have been jumping in after them. <laughs> but I don't know how long it had been since the magazines had got thrown away. So I let her know how important those magazines were, Uh, they were going to be treasures that I was going to share with my grandchildren from generations from now, you know. Well, I I knew I was to forgive, but I gritted my teeth the first time I said, okay, Joanna, I forgive you. (laughs) But it, it took me through the rest of the day to really sincerely come back and give her a hug and say, I really do forgive you. And I'm sorry that I acted so mad. I was... But, you know, I'm telling you this because what got me in trouble was expectations. I really thought she should have valued them like I did. You know, I just expected her to. I just, and she loved them. She read them from cover to cover, but didn't think a thing about throwing them away, you know. (laughs) So um, just the little things, you know. It's the little foxes that spoil the the vine so just just be careful don't let those little things build up we're good now aren't we Joanna <laughs> it took me a good 24 hours to get good but we're okay now and then and then my mom when I was in junior high no well, I was probably sixth grade uh she dropped my brother in off who was two and a half years younger and she dropped us off at um the library where we lived and uh, didn't stop to figure out that the door was closed and the library was closed that day and then she drove off and uh, probably well I, as soon as I realized that the door wouldn't open and we were left in the middle of town and this was not Hereford this was a larger town and it was kind of scary for Chris who was probably eight and I might have been 10 or 11 so I just took off running, and I ran three blocks, and finally caught up with the car. Banged on the window. She slammed. On, I mean, she she was already stopped at the stop sign. Banged on the window. She let me in, but I was so out of breath, I could not talk. And she wanted. To, she was first. She was panicky. Where's Chris? What's What's wrong? What's wrong, Chris? You know. And she started hitting me, slapping me on the legs, and just hitting because she was panicked. And I couldn't talk. I was so out of breath. And Chris, a few minutes later, came up and was he, he was by, behind me. We got in the car. And you know what hurt the most is that she never mentioned it afterwards. You know, she never said anything. She never said, I'm sorry. She never talked about it. Um, I understood. Even as an 11-year-old, I understood. But, you know, it took... And I'm, see, I'm still telling you this story. How, how old am I now, you know? So it made its impression upon me. Where? And I'm just a little side Peace for you parents. Just say you're sorry. You know, I think it could have been taken care of the next day if mom had just said, um, uh, you know, I was scared, which I knew she was. I understood, but it just never was taken care of. So when I received the baptism when I was in college, uh that's when the Lord started dealing with me and that's when I had to come to say I forgive her, you know. So I came to forgiveness many years later where it would have been so easy to comfort to forgiveness the next day or, or even that afternoon to say, I'm sorry, I, I just overreacted. So, um, again, all these things probably was because I expected one thing and I didn't get it. You know, those things can really throw us for a loop and cause us to have unforgiveness whenever we have expectations that are unfulfilled. Uh, Psalm sixty-two, five in King James Version says, "Let your expectation be only in the Lord." And then I want to <coughs> just remind you. I know all of you know some stories in the Bible about forgiveness, but Joseph is the most, the sweetest story I know about forgiveness, and one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament. I never fail to shed tears whenever I read about how he forgives his brothers. He was thrown into the pits. They wanted to kill him. One brother said, no, let's sell him. He goes into Egypt, loses his family, uh, gets in a mess with the people that buy him as a slave. He gets thrown in prison. Then he finally becomes ruler of all, second in command, and saves people's lives because of food. Food. But when his brothers come for the second time around, he does finally say, I'm Joseph. And they were petrified. They thought, he's going to get us. And instead he says, no, what you meant for my harm, God meant for good. What a precious story of forgiveness. He understood God's purposes. And then uh, in Stephen's story in the New Testament, it's just amazing. He was being stoned to death and in his last breath said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they've done. You know, these are two stories in the Bible, one Old Testament, one New Testament. But the greatest story is Jesus himself. You know, he was offended in every way possible. He, no one ever endured such offense, such persecution, such rejection, such ill treatment, beatings, criticisms, and finally death. Death. And yet, what did he say? His last few breaths was, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He was the greatest forgiver ever. And what blows my mind is he lives in us. We have the greatest forgiver ever, ever living inside of us. So he who lives inside of us through the Holy Spirit in all of his children will help us to forgive, show us how to forgive, heal us so we can forgive, empower us to forgive, and then supernaturally love from his heart that we have now a new heart, love and help us to relate to the very people we're having to forgive. (laughs) What more can you ask for? Can you tell me can you even justifiably say, I can't forgive that? No, we, couldn't, we can never let ourselves say, I can't forgive that. Because the forgiver of all forgivers lives in us. <clears throat> now, in my notes, I said, I know it sounds like I should end right there. But this is not where I'm going to end. I have an even better ending. <clears throat> Norman. Norman cornered me the week before two weeks before I was to give this and he goes don't forget to tell them about the new covenant didn't you (laughs) and I started studying about the new covenant and oh my goodness this is a better ending than having the forgiver of all forgivers living in us so let me just briefly tell you about the new covenant Hebrews 7 18 and 19 says uh, talks about setting aside the old covenant of the law that was given to Moses for a better hope. Verse 22, it says, Jesus is the guarantee of a better covenant. And again, in Hebrews 8 6, it says, Jesus is the mediator of a better covenant. And uh, speaking of covenant, the new covenant is written in, our, in the Word in Jeremiah 31, 33, 34, and in Hebrews 8, 8 through 12. And it says that he, God will, and Dorman just said that this morning, God will write his laws upon our heart so that all men will know him and he will remember their sins no more that's the new covenant in a nutshell Hebrews nine eleven and 12 says that Christ entered with his own blood through the veil to the holy place to obtain salvation for all and in Hebrews nine fifteen and 16 it says it takes a death of the person who made the covenant to cut a covenant and you know when you think of a covenant, the covenant with Abraham, he split the animals in two and he and God walked through them. Um, When I think of Moses' covenant they received on the mount, uh, the law, it was always, we we always dealt with that through the sacrifice of animals. The blood was always that that was cutting a new covenant, had to be shedding of blood. And you know, um, so we we have Christ who it, what is he called he's called the sacrificial lamb he is that one that was where the blood was shed so that he could cut a new covenant with us it was his own precious blood that gave us the new covenant remember when he took the last supper with the disciples he said that this is the blood of the new covenant <clears throat> you and i now live in this new covenant aren't we glad we live after his blood was shed in the resurrection. Prior to that time, they were under the old covenant, the law. But he, can cut a, he cut a new covenant for us by the blood that he was shed on the cross. And we live after that. So we live in the new covenant. Um, we can partake of that if we have Jesus living in our heart. If we are a believer and the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And all we have to do to get to that point is to ask and believe and receive. But the old covenant says, keep the law, keep the law. It's indicative of a lot of laws that we have to keep. And it says to perform. You've got to perform to be accepted. New covenant says, Christ kept the law for you. Just receive everything he has for you by faith. Would you rather live under the old or the new? Christ did it all. He knew we couldn't keep the law. He, was, he knew we couldn't keep it. So he actually kept the law to the T, fulfilled it, and then gave us the benefit of his performance. You know, in, in the red letter in the Gospels, where he's speaking in the red, uh, in that Sermon on the Mount that I read to you, in Matthew 6, 14 and 15, when he says, Forgive so you can be forgiven. If you don't forgive. I won't forgive you. In Mark eleven twenty five 25 and 26. It says the same thing. That's all under the law. Because he had not died yet. That's what I. That's what I got out of this. I, that's all under the law. So yes. It says to forgive. We're commanded to forgive. But you know what? To forgive. To get forgiveness. Is a performance driven. Old covenant. <clears throat> But it's not like that anymore, because in the, uh, Paul's writings, Ephesians 4:32. Let me read that. Says, be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as Christ, God in Christ, also has already forgiven you. So, in other words, here you forgive because you've been forgiven. You don't forgive to get forgiven. Do you hear the difference? Okay, also Paul writes another uh, similar in Colossians 3.13. He says, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Okay, just as you have been forgiven, you should forgive. Now in Matthew and Mark, it said forgive to receive forgiveness. In the writings of Paul, it says to forgive because you've already been forgiven. Do you hear the difference? That's the difference between Old Covenant because the Old Covenant was not cut whenever the Gospels were written because Jesus hadn't been crucified. And it takes the blood of the man or the person, the sacrificial lamb, that, to make a new covenant. It's when he died and was resurrected, we fall under the new covenant, which is Paul's writings. Good news. Wow. I even wrote in here, I hope you can get excited over that. (laughs) That's right. Hold Norman's Mule. Old Covenant had to keep all the law to be righteous. But we couldn't do it. We tried, didn't we? All through the Old Testament. I still try. Sometimes. I'm learning. And this is what I got out of this teaching is I'm freer from legalism than ever before. Because I live under a new covenant. We couldn't keep all those laws. So God in his love sent Jesus to keep them for us. He kept the law perfectly for us. Because he knew we could never do it. And he did. He kept it. He fulfilled it. And then he cut a new covenant. You know, we were reading in the birthright just this morning. It said he made a covenant with himself. It wasn't like he made another covenant with man so man had to measure up. He sent His Son as a man and God cut the covenant with Jesus. He cut it with Himself so that we would be out of it. We don't even... We're not a part of that. But Jesus cut it for us. And that covenant said, I've already done it all. Just receive my benefits. Receive the benefits of my performance. You don't have to perform. Then He let us have the benefits. We don't have to perform... Or feel the pressure of measuring up any longer. Because he did it for us. We just exchange our lack for his perfect abilities. We exchange our yuck for his righteousness. He lets us walk out his benefits without having to measure up to receive. That's the new covenant of grace. Grace. You know, I realized some of the things are going to be a little similar. We're still going to serve him. We're still going to forgive. We're still going to try to obey. We're still going to turn the other cheek, hopefully, in his strength, you know. So there are the things we do sometimes will look just like it looked, Old Covenant or New Covenant, but the motivation is different. Old Covenant says, I've got to do this to get a pat on the back. I've got to be able to do this to get his acceptance. I've got to do this to get forgiveness, New Covenant says we're doing it out of gratitude. We still serve him. We still obey. We still try to be sensitive to the spirit and do what he wants us to do. We still look at the red print in my Bible and I still do it. But why do I do it? I do it because I'm so grateful for what he's done. So there's a motivation change between Old Covenant and New Covenant. Old Covenant says, do it to get something. New Covenant says, do it because you've already been given something. And that gratitude is the motivation that changes things. My last, oh, and you know, when I think of gratitude, what better way is there to fall in love with Jesus but to realize what he did for us? I mean, that's what he's looking for. You know, in fact, I'm going to put this in right here because this morning I said, Lord, do you want me to change anything about what my talk is? Or do you want me to tell them anything I didn't tell them back in March? And he said, tell them that I love them, and tell them that New Covenant is all about relationship. It is all about relationship. It's, it's motivated. When you realize what all he did in the New Covenant and he did everything you couldn't do, then you have such a heart of gratitude that draws you to God in such a love relationship that that's his intent for the new covenant. That's his intent for us today, is to love him with all of our hearts. And you know, it just creates an an atmosphere of doing that rather than old covenant where you feel like he's either going to slap your hand or you didn't do it good enough. Okay, Old Covenant is not as conducive to bringing about a love relationship with the Father God. And that comes through gratitude and realizing he's done it all for you. You don't have to do it. Well, I'm going to close with my paraphrase of this verse. And it is in um, Hebrews also. Hebrews 9, 14. How much more will the blood of our precious Lord Jesus, who through the Spirit... Offered himself freely, without blemish or sin to God, cleanse our conscience from dead works of always having to work to be approved, to serve the living God out of love and gratitude for what He has done for us. That is the new covenant. Remember, it is not to forgive, to get forgiven but forgive because you've already been forgiven. (laughs) Okay, I think we're going to have communion now, and I want you all to think about the new covenant and that you're drinking the blood of the new covenant.